You're listening to I Hate the Fins. Welcome, everyone. My name is Keith. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Zach. Uh, finally, something to celebrate around here because the Dolphins went to the West Coast and beat the living shit out of the San Francisco 49ers yesterday. So that was very cool, especially because uh, what was with everyone making them or the 49ers the lock of the week? Because I've watched San Francisco a couple of times this year, and they look like they have the su- the dreaded Super Bowl hangover. Yesterday, notwithstanding, of course. Uh, I think it's because for the past decade and change, the media has gotten super horny off of shitting on the Dolphins for no reason. So I'm going to go with that. You're blaming the mainstream media. <clears throat> it's a very popular thing to do. So they went out there and all the phases we were looking to see click with the Dolphins clicked yesterday. Offensive line, Robert Hunt, welcome. Your your table is ready, sir. Yeah, I mean, both him and Kindly played really well. Uh, I, I didn't exclusively watch them, but I also didn't see any issues with them pop up either, which was nice. One of the messages I got um, in my inbox somebody asked i forget they wanted to submit a question and it was when was the last time the dolphins offensive line looked this pissed off because they do play angry like they're just throwing dudes into the ground like they're a lawn dart at this point it's very aggressive stuff i approve of all of it obviously yeah i mean uh who was it jake long uh did that line also have uh incognito and carry on it no maybe (laughs) maybe at one point it did i can't even remember at this point it's been so long but the point has been made at that point so solomon uh kindly the answer there so that's cool everyone was waiting on robert hunt and he went in there and he looked very very good yesterday he looked like i said he looked angry uh intense he had some nice moves to the guys who were trying to beat him to the edge, too. I saw one play, he just tried to, it looked like he tried to throw the guy literally underground. So, uh, if you're oh, looking yeah. at draft picks, go ahead. I, I was going to say, there there was a play, I, I forget what it was, but he was he was blocking down on a guard, um, and then next thing you know, he's like eight yards down the field and putting him on his ass, so... Um, that's what you want to see. And again, it's something we haven't seen for God knows how long. Yeah. Uh, what's Austin Jackson's deal? I've been so out of it this week. I I know he's hurt. I haven't seen the severity of the injury. Some people saying. Okay. Yeah. I I don't think it's a, yeah, I don't think it's a full year kind of deal. Um, I think the game plan is that he should be back a couple of weeks. I would think. Okay, well, so the story for now is these three draft picks that they spent on these guys look looking good right now. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. there's so much, so much left in terms of this season development, all that good stuff. But we were waiting on Robert Hunt. Uh, is now that Jesse Davis kicks over to left tackle to, to take over for uh, Austin Jackson, Solomon kindly just kind of doing his thing every week though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just more the same. I mean, he's just he's a bull. Yeah, and, and I mean like the the only reason I want to slow the roll on the the rookie offensive line just a little bit is like also how lo- how bad has the offensive line been for at least 5 or 6 years? So, we may be 
being treated to just solid offensive line play. Um, so again, don't don't want to get too overhyped on it. But I think at the end of the day, they're they're showing you the things that they the Dolphins drafted them for. You know, again, the passing game isn't gonna be a seven step drop. You know, vertical kind of concept all the time. You know, Fitz pushed the ball deep this week, which is why you saw them put up the points that they were going to. Um, but they picked on a, a young corner that essentially was signed off the street this week for the 49ers. Um, but like at the end of the day, like these offensive linemen, that that's the game plan is run them down hard straight ahead in the run game. And then in the passing game, you know, three, five step drop at most, get it out. You can't let us have anything nice. Can you, uh, I think that, um, I, I get it. I think regardless of if it's just shock to what we usually see, that's probably part of it. But the fact that you're getting that, that quality, that level of play out of rookie offensive linemen, even if it's not spectacular. Yep. I mean, yeah. I mean, cause I think the expectations for Solomon kindly were un- unless I'm mistaken, I think they were somewhat low. Cause I mean, as you mentioned, he played hurt last year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it just, it, coming out of college, coming out of Georgia, didn't really know what you were going to get with him. And he has been uh, a delightful surprise thus far. Robert Hunt, obviously a second round pick who was not really cracking the lineup. So I know there are questions there. It's going to take time with a lot of these guys, but the fact that they're solid right off the bat, man, I'll take it. I will absolutely take it. Oh, for sure. Austin Jackson. Yeah. And Austin Jackson being the wild card in there just because, uh, the situation with him, bone marrow donor for a transplant um, mm-hmm. at USC, affecting his ability to maintain weight, strength, and play and everything. Um, but I know a lot of people wanted to shit on that pick just because, I mean, you had the big four. And, you, you know, when we were watching that draft and all of our guys, I mean, your dude was Andrew Thomas. He goes. And then, um, you know, I think Jedrick Wills went next, right? I think he goes what tenth, and then um, yeah, yeah, Mekhi he was the next up for sure. Yeah, and then people have said that the the best of those four has been Tristan Wirfs, and Tristan Wirfs got tossed like a a little husky kid by Khalil Mack last last Thursday. So maybe that brings him back to earth a little bit. Remember, he got just straight WWE tossed at one point. I mean, it's amazing that a human like Khalil Mack can throw somebody that huge that far. So, um, I don't know. I I mean, a lot of interesting stuff yesterday. Fun to watch him go out to the Bay Area and lay that beat down. Like I said, I think the 49ers are, they're obviously reeling. Nick Bosa's out. Solomon Thomas, who, I mean, even though he's not a huge contributor, still on the defensive line, he's out. They have injuries all over the place. Jimmy Garoppolo's probably not right. You know, he got he got worked pretty hard when he was in there yesterday, and then he doesn't even play in the second half. So, uh, I mean, it's it's fun to win like that, right? Dolphins don't usually do that often, especially on the road. Oh, you know, yeah. You go out to mean, the West Coast. You, you can't even remember the last time that they, they won a game like that. I mean, God, how many years has it been? But again, like, they just did what they needed to do it, and that's been the biggest problem for the Dolphins for years now. It's just like, stop making stupid mistakes and killing yourself. Um, So at the end of the day, you know, again, the first step in football, and I think Brian Flores has come in and and kind of set this tone is that like, 
just do your job and just do what you need to do. Don't make mistakes and we'll be halfway there. Mm. So we can go ahead and kind of segue into this because this is a big weekend for college running backs, I thought. Najee Harris had a game. I mean, obviously, beating down Ole Miss's defense isn't going to be the most impressive thing that guy does in his time in college. But what did he put up? Five scores? Yep. On on them. Uh, I don't think he's going to come in at the 6-2. He's listed at at Alabama. We we make fun of Alabama's height thing all the time. But I... Maybe a legit six one, I don't know, but I mean a bigger, a taller back. I mean, when you think of that height, you think of guys like Melvin Gordon, uh, du- dudes who have been able to to run. I mean, he still has great pad level and everything. I mentioned the when we were talking about this yesterday. He kind of at times when he runs reminds me of Ronnie Brown when mm-hmm. Ronnie Brown was at Auburn, which I've all for that obviously. Uh, and then Travis Etienne. You know, not not a five score game, I don't think. But with him, he had that one run where, I mean, that one where he was able to put his foot in the ground right near the bound or right near the sideline, and then he just made Miami look so average. It was amazing. Like when he decided to open it up, it didn't even look like he was running that hard, and he, and he, he scores on that play and everything. So those guys are two special running backs. I expect them to both go in the first round. I realize that maybe Leonard Fournette has dinged that market a little bit since, I mean, it was red hot with guys like uh, Zeke and before that, uh, like Todd Gurley going a little bit lower in the draft. But, man, you look at... So I'm able to... What I'm trying to do here is talk about or tie together the fact that their offensive line is coming together and you hope that they're able to develop that chemistry and... Uh, consistency going forward and then man what if you're adding someone like a Harris or an ETN to the mix next year Uh, are you saying that my boy Miles Gaskin definitive running back one is not the answer for explosive play from the running back position no 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 I love Miles Gaskin (laughs) I'm just getting greedy right now I just look I just look at the power and the speed that you're getting with, you know, power mainly from Najee Harris, although, I mean, he can definitely let it rip in the open field. And then ETN is just a just a beautiful creature in space. Yeah, and I mean, like, when we talk about what the Dolphins are trying to do, you know, we just talked about it with the offensive line. You know, their game plan is to, to run it down your throat when it comes to the run game. And then when it comes to the passing game, it's three-step drop and out, maybe a five-step drop, and we're going through half-field progressions at this point. And, like, that's when you're running back. I mean, look how many times they've checked down to Gaskin already this year, and he's had a chance to create. So I think the guy that makes more sense for the style of what the Dolphins want to do is a Najee Harris. Um, again, mm-hmm. the chemistry with Tua naturally coming out of Bama makes a little sense, too. Um but like God, ETN is so much fun. Like, think if Alvin Kamara had an extra gear, which like Alvin Kamara is terrifying enough as it is. So you give him that sixth or seventh gear, and it's it's a nightmare. So ETN is going to be an absolute monster when it comes to multifaceted offenses that are willing to attack you with their running back. You know, in the traditional running game and in the air. If Jonathan Taylor's a four three guy Travis Etienne can definitely be a 4-3 guy right yeah because he looks that fast oh yeah yeah no I mean I think I think there's a chance that Etienne may run like 
anywhere from like four two eight to like four three three or somewhere in that you know point zero five second gap there um you know I think at the end of the day he he just has unbelievable you know fifth and sixth gear acceleration that a lot of people just don't even have. Yeah, <clears throat> no, but I'm not trying to slight Miles Gaskin because he's been awesome. And you can take credit for that if you want. You can go ahead and pimp yourself for a moment here and talk about how you totally call that. I loved Miles Gaskin. Like, and and I get when he was coming out in, what was that, 2018 he came out in that class. Like, the dude carried Washington for their four-year stretch that he was there, had like a thousand touches, you know, the question of tread on the tires comes into play. Okay, you get him in the seventh round, but like the dude has a ton of experience. He's got really good patience and vision. He's multifaceted and like he's not a big guy, but he's a very willing and structurally sound pass blocker. And like at the end of the day, that's the stuff that gets you on the field. Um, and again, I think that's why he's he's been running back one this whole year because Burita's good. He's really fast. He's he can catch the ball and stuff like that, but like he's not a pass blocker. And Jordan Howard's just been slow and plumpy the whole time. So, like, he hasn't given you nothing besides running the ball into the end zone with, you know, uh, an inch and a half left to go. What did you think of the defense yesterday? Because that was a bright spot, too. Axis heating up. uh, One of Jerome Baker's best games that I can remember. Yeah. Seemed like they had a pass rush for once. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, again, we talked. God, I feel like we started talking about this the second free agency started happening is that the Dolphins sack production isn't going to come from one guy. They're not going to have a a Von Miller that has, you know, 18 sacks this year. It's all going to be schemed pressures. You're going to see dudes. I mean, I I would not be shocked if the Dolphins have eight guys that have five or six sacks this year. Um, I think right now the number that I saw is that their average per game is like 2.8 sacks per game, which is top 10 in the league for that. But it's all from the scheme. You know, there's some guys that are making some good plays here or there, but like that that sack that Jerome Baker has is on a blitz scheme. Uh, I, I think the one sack that wasn't schemed up, that was just pure pass rusher ability and, and skill set, was the Agba one, um, where he was just working. Uh, I guess that would be McGlinchey. Um, he just worked McGlinchey and and pushed him outside and worked him back inside. Um, but I mean, the Van Ginkle sack was schemed up. That's that's an unblocked edge pressure. Um, but I mean, that's that's what we've been talking about for months now. Is that the, that's how they're going to try to do it? And you saw exactly what they were trying to do, and it worked out perfectly against the Forty ers Nice to get Byron Jones back. I oh, think. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. That was noticeable. Yeah, I mean, I, I think having... with, with Byron being back, the biggest thing is like. Dudes are just playing positions and roles that they were planning to play in the first place. When when Byron went down, you had to reassess and resort roles, and like dudes just weren't prepared for it. I don't think, um, you know, especially to ask Igbenogany to come in and you know take over a, a primary starting cornerback spot. Um, it, it just it was just never going to happen. Um, so good to see Byron back. Um, Hopefully, Igbenogany works back into the primary nickel guy relatively soon because, like, I'm getting sick of Nick Needham holding everyone. Um, so, we'll see about that. You want to talk about the schedule? 
because I mean, oh, it's a total yeah. cluster right now. Yeah, I, I still don't fully understand how the Dolphins and several other teams got the shaft to preserve the Patriots' schedule and make their life easier. But, um, but I mean, in a way, it's a little bit better for the Dolphins because next week they have the Jets, which you know you never want to you know assume that anything's going to be a win. I think currently they're eight point favorites in that one. Um, the Jets have not come close to covering any spreads this year, so you know hopefully they play well against the Jets and then they go into the bye week. Um, which is kind of good because the Dolphins were looking at a crazy West Coast, East Coast, West Coast, East Coast um, travel schedule. So then after that, you know, um, the Rams game, the Cardinals game, the Chargers game um, is back where it should be. Uh, And then the Broncos game got moved to week 11 here. Um, So, I mean, not... Not too much major being changed to the schedule, but enough to to inconvenience the initial game plan potentially. Um, but luckily, the the team that gets dropped into this upcoming week is the Jets. So hopefully, they'll have a a little bit of an easier time uh, handling that change with it being the Jets and a, another team. Uh, let's go ahead and pause so we can go ahead and get some messages out there. Usually, we've been splicing these right into the show, but. Let's go ahead and have a dedicated commercial break. We sound very professional when we do that. So we'll be back right after this. All right. Uh, You just mentioned the Chargers when when you were talking about the schedule. I saw that they were putting it on the Saints uh, on last time I checked my phone. Uh, Justin Herbert throws a ball that's as beautiful as the Chargers new uniforms, in my opinion. I saw that dude's second touchdown and it was plenty sick. I mean, like it had a lot on it, but it was, it was fun to watch. Yeah. And so like, here's, here's the thing with Herbert where like, again, I I was very vocal about being scared to death with Herbert. And and the tough thing about his evaluation was that Oregon offense. And I, I, you could go back to shows in the fall and, and winter about me complaining about the Oregon offense itself. But like, they asked him to play in a very horizontal type of offense when he is built for a more vertical passing attack, um, run heavy play action, you know, work the ball down the field kind of scheme. And like, that's what the chargers are running him in and good coaches. When you draft quarterbacks, like every quarterback's a system quarterback, like play them and Play to their strengths. Like, don't go out there and make them fit your offense. Fit it to them. Like, you took them for a reason. And the Chargers are doing exactly that, and Herbert's doing really well. Um, There's still some silly inconsistency stuff that Herbert's struggling with. You know, one play, he'll he'll evade a sack and roll out and throw a touchdown. Then he comes back the next drive, and he misses a a short out to the tight end and, and, you know, like, one-hops it. So... Got to work that stuff still out still. Um, but, I mean, they're playing to his strengths, and that's what you got to do. Yeah, some of those plays are going to be just working on his footwork, yeah. I believe. A lot, of, a lot of the one-hop stuff, being able to set quickly, all that good stuff. Uh, my God, can that guy throw the ball downfield, though? Throw it down, young man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Got a hose. He, he's just like Josh Allen when he was coming out. Like, There's no questioning the arm strength or arm talent. It was just the consistency and the ability to make multiple reads and decision make in a 
different offense that wasn't Oregon's where everything was predetermined and very horizontal. Um, and quite honestly, if he came to Miami and the offense that Chan Gailey is looking to run here that they have been running, I don't know if Herbert would do so well because it's a little bit more of a horizontal offense for the Dolphins. So he, he ended up and in a good place, and I think it's going to be good for him. I think that the the teams that you see really make it work with guys like you mentioned Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, are the teams that dare to show imagination with their their quarterback prospects you know the kids that they bring in instead of that that's the biggest sin in my opinion in the nfl right now is bringing in these these quarterbacks from college and expecting them to fit your system like chicago's done that shit like matt Nagy, i tear on that guy all the time and for good reason because it's his he doesn't know how to operate outside of his system he gets rid of all the running backs who don't fit what he wants to do and that's blown up in his face and We'll never know if Mitch Trubisky is even any good because he hasn't gotten any kind of QB uh, coaching, tutelage, any of that stuff in Chicago. And he had very limited experience playing in North Carolina. So, I, I mean, that's an example of... Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to make a joke that I will say on NCAA 14, when he was a freshman, he was great on all of my UNC teams. Um, who knows I'm what sure. he's going to be in the, the the league here. But but I think he's... So, like, we got a whole set of guys that are young quarterbacks that potentially could be getting a new set of scenery in the uh, upcoming off season. So like, who knows? I mean, they could go somewhere else, finally settle in, you know, learn a little bit, relax, not have that pressure on them. And and who knows what they turn into. I would absolutely kick the tires on Sam Darnold because I think the Jets are terrible and I don't think anyone's play with that team is indicative of where, where they're actually at as a professional. I think they're that bad. And I mean, like, I'm not saying that that guy's the next Joe Montana, but I loved him coming out of USC. I wasn't as high on him as as some, but I do think he's a really talented kid. So, I mean, the thing right now is there aren't a lot of mega QB vacancies in the NFL. I mean, Chicago is going to need one because they just traded a pick for Nick Foles, and that's not a long-term thing. So you're looking at that. I mean, Stafford, I don't know how much longer he's got in Detroit. whenever Minnesota decides that they don't want to pay Kirk Cousins $11 billion a year anymore. But for the most part, a lot of these teams, like you have to assume like Tennessee is in it for Tannehill. Uh, Jacksonville might be with Gardner Minshew, Houston, uh, Deshaun Watson. And then, I mean, Indianapolis is a team where, you know, Phillip Rivers is going to play forever. But outside of like a decent sort of smaller group of teams, there are a lot of young quarterbacks in the league right now. And then a lot of teams that have quarterbacks waiting in the wings like the Dolphins. Yeah, and and I don't think – I think the question when it comes to the draft is always those teams that are, like, on the edge of, like, moving on, right? So, I mean, like, Atlanta just fired, you know, their coach and their their James Bond villain of a GM. Um, That guy does look like a Bond villain, doesn't he? His hair. Right? 100%. Dimitrov always looks like some sort of like super villain. Um, but so they just fire them. Like, do they move on from, from Matt Ryan or do they draft Matt Ryan's replacement for them to start getting ready in the next year or two? Um, you know, same thing can be said for um, the, the uh, Raiders. I was trying to remember what city they play in now. Um, but I mean, the, the Raiders, like, 
it's it's killed me to watch some of these like should be Henry Ruggs highlights where he's running a skinny post and Carr just can't get it out in front of him. Like it just it just doesn't yeah. happen. So they're they're wasting him right now too. So like that's a potential spot. Um and then, you know, you mentioned Stafford, you know, is that something that happens? Uh, but I think I oh, I, and then you also mentioned uh the Colts, you know, yeah, Rivers is is probably going to play forever, but like he hasn't been really good this year. He's been kind of detrimental at times to them too. So like is that something where they see enough in Eason and they got him late enough that they're going to roll the dice there and, and, you know, let Rivers play another year and develop Eason? Or, like, do they see enough out of Rivers this year where they, they need a legitimate option next year to be competitive? Yeah, I would definitely kick the kick the tires on uh, Darnold. Um, Baker Mayfield, I mean, Cleveland looks damn good right now. Yeah. Especially, you can say that because Indy has been a strong team too, especially defense defensively and i thought baker had a great game yesterday uh josh allen i think you meant when we were talking about uh, justin herbert and josh allen i prefer to watch justin herbert throw the ball downfield i always call uh josh allen the human shotgun because i mean sprays all over the place not terribly accurate all the time but is always going to get the job done anyway that kind of thing um but he's just, I mean, they've been able to cater to the fact that he runs the ball really well, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Rosen's the the odd man out in that group right now, unfortunately. Even yeah. with Darnold just with just taking a complete shit in, in New York with Adam Gase. I don't suspect that's always going to be the... I can't believe that Dan Quinn was fired before Adam Gase, though, for being honest. I mean, the Falcons are bad, but Adam Gase is just... Op- completely hit the self-destruct button like he always does with that team or with his with his uh rosters like he's found it like that team is just an absolute dumpster fire yeah i mean it'd be nice for the dolphins to beat the jets this week and and gase get fired but at the same time you know it'd be nice to have gase stay around and the jets continue to suck um but maybe if gase gets fired they go on a little bit of a, a run there and uh, they're they're too high of a pick to to swap out of their quarterback situation. Lawrence obviously is going to be the first quarterback to go. Who do you think is number two? Is it pretty much Justin Fields at this point? Yeah, the the Trey Lance thing. Like Trey Lance is an interesting option, but like it's the same kind of boat as uh, Jordan Love last year. Like when people are talking about Jordan Love, you know, going in the top ten, like. You can't force quarterbacks that just aren't ready to teams in the top 10 unless somebody's absolutely desperate. Um, and so, again, maybe, maybe because there's not as many guys at the top of this class, you see that, but I I just can't see it. And the dude played one game this year as a showcase game and was pretty okay. Um, and that might even be giving him a little more than he should get credit for. Um, but Lance just like he's just not ready to play yet. He's he's got the skill set. He's got everything that you want. But like you you I mean look we we talked about being comfortable for potentially sitting two of for the year. We're all excited to see him get going, and we all want him out there. So imagine drafting Trey Lance. You know even top thirty two, just like uh, 
uh, Jordan Love and being like, yeah, you guys will see our first round pick in two and a half years from now. Getting back to Henry Ruggs that his touchdown yesterday, uh, mistake eraser speed is what we used to call it. Because yep. that ball, ball considerably underthrown, he gets it and the, the defensive back is closing in on him and it doesn't even matter because Ruggs just goes right back up to a higher gear and just pieces right out of there. So he's a lot of fun to watch. He's been dinged up, which lines up with what he had going out of Alabama. But when he's healthy, that guy is so much fun to watch. Yeah, and I mean, like, that's, that's you know, if people are excited about him, um, again, I think the the hot name for the, the Dolphins draft receivers right now is Jalen Waddle. Um, and Jalen Waddle this year has shown that he can do everything Henry Ruggs could, um, has fully taken over that role at Alabama this year. So it'll be interesting to see him as a potential, you know, draft target for the Dolphins as well next year. Yeah, he certainly uh, has no problem high pointing the football at being, what, 5'7"? Is he 5'8", somewhere no, around there? No, he, he's taller. He's like 5'10". Is he? Yeah. I thought yeah, he was no, listed he... at a... Hmm. Well, regardless, because, I mean, they had rugs listed at six foot. I think more like 5'11", but, I mean, yeah. he can go up and get the football. That I think that was a really intriguing thing about him yesterday or last year going into the draft process is that he's not your garden variety number two receiver where he's just a speed nine-route guy, you know? Yeah. He uh, oh, yeah. Run, runs, you know, great, you know, exceptional hands, uh, runs routes really well, can high point the football. I think about the guys coming out of Alabama who have been really good at high pointing. Julio, obviously, number one. Then Amari Cooper is surprisingly good at it, too, when he was there. Whereas, I mean, a lot of the other guys who are more like shredder types, Calvin Ridley, uh, Jerry Judy, <clears throat> so on and so forth. Uh, and Devontae Smith can can jump a little bit, too. So. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Waddle is going to be really interesting. And yeah, if you're a Dolphins team looking to really supercharge your offense, I mean, I can, you're not going to find a better ignition than that guy, in my opinion. Like, he is just ugly fast. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's weird because sometimes when you're watching him, it doesn't even seem like you can visually observe his speed and acceleration. It's almost just so sudden. Um, but again, he's he's got a better build than Henry Ruggs too. He, he he's a little bit more compact and built a little bit better. Um, so you know, again, he's boxier not, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So not that durability was a major concern or anything for for Ruggs, but you know, um, it's it's definitely something that people will take a, a note of. Mm. What else are we missing on this show? We've already hit the thirty minute mark. Or he took a break. I'm glad I remembered that. Yeah, no, <clears throat> I mean the the big thing was the the schedule and how how wonky that made everything. Um, so you know now we have that week seven by where originally I think it was week I want to say it was week ten or something like that. Um, but I mean if hell if the Dolphins can overcome that, like if the Dolphins can overcome COVID changing the roster over completely from one year to another, uh, a complete schedule change in the middle of the year. If they can handle all that stuff, I'm really excited to see what they can do in a, a typical year, hopefully moving forward. You think yesterday is a springboard game for them and you see more of this effort going forward now that they know that they can 
kick holy ass when they put, they put their mind to it. It's either a springboard game or they go and lose to the Jets and it's an absolute setup and trap game. Um, See, that's what I'm talking about. We can't have nice things. <laughs> you, every, every, every time daylight opens up here, like you've just got like the, the shittiest scenario for these guys. No wonder only six people listen to this show. Listen, like it's all I, doing. There's a reason we're called "I Hate the Fins." All right, we, we've we've taken the pain for so long, and I can't set myself up for any more sadness than I have on a usual day to day basis. All right. Uh, we did get one piece of of, uh, I guess you'd call it feedback. It was an email. It was last year, and somebody just put Zach, and then like space, space, space. Who are you? And I was just <laughs> like, oh, man. I thought that was funny. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, hopefully I can't imagine these guys losing to the to the Jets, but I no. don't know. I I don't think so. Um and again, I think they should be riding the high of how they played in San Francisco this week. Um again, we haven't seen the Dolphins play like that in God knows how long. And and again, I think I think it should serve as a booster of like holy shit, like we can play like this. We can do this every week. Yes, part of that hinges on Fitz magic or Fitz tragic. Um, but like, even if you get Fitz tragic and the defense plays the way they did yesterday outside of a, a garbage time touchdown, I mean, you can't ask for any more out of the defense. So at that point, God, offense put up just two touchdowns and don't throw any pick sixes or anything like that. And, and we're good. Yeah, Fitz magic was uh, delightful yesterday. I never call him that, by the way, because I think it's incredibly stupid, but. Yeah, he uh, he he played well, which I mean, like he just trick or treat with that guy because I mean, he shows up and sometimes it's real good. And sometimes you're just thinking like, OK, this is Tua, right? We're getting to a we're playing him and then you don't. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what we were setting up for is if well, well, if they go in and lose to San Francisco and then they have the Jets next week, maybe Tua trots out, you know, for the Jets next week. But realistically, you know, if they lose to San Francisco and they play the Jets, even if they win against the Jets, by week week seven, time for two a time. Um, but I mean, again, if Fitzpatrick can just if he can just come out there and not turn over the ball and just play relatively fine, um, again, most of the time his stat lines like two hundred, you know, and change yards, you know, one or two touchdowns, and like that can get the game done. If that's all he does, I mean he's going to just keep pushing two out the way. And I mean, we're just going to keep getting further and further into the season, which, you know, I know people want to see Tua. I want to see Tua. I think you want to see Tua. But like, at the end of the day, if you don't need to play him, then fine, you know, save him. He he, he doesn't seem discontent at this point. I mean, you see him running out there and jumping and hugging uh, fits after touchdown plays and stuff like that. So like, the kid's having a good time. He's enjoying his, his experience, you know, working with Fitz and everything. So if if Fitz keeps playing, keep it, keeps the shit floating, great. If there needs to be a spark to, you know, ignite the offense and, and try something else, move on to Tua. But again, I, I think we're in a very week-to-week kind of space with Tua time. Yeah, and well, that's a frustrating thing because you you love to – be able to sit back and safely say, okay, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to handle this until mid-November, December, and then 
maybe we can play tour, maybe we don't have to. But unfortunately, the guy's record as a starter is so volatile that you really never know what you're going to get. Because he comes out yesterday, he just totally blows holes right in or in uh, San Francisco's defense. No problem. And then, I mean, he's not above going out there and just putting up a stinker against the Jets. I mean, nothing against him. I mean, he's a lot of fun to watch. I love having him on the team, but it's like a it's a week to week thing. So it's a little bit scary. But yeah, I mean, I would I would love to see Tua, but I also don't want to rush him in there. There's no there's no need. Last I don't thing, think we're going anywhere this year. Last thing on the Jets game next week. When was the last time we saw a Dolphins Jets game kick off at four o'clock? I cannot even remotely remember to tell you the last time we saw that, but I, God, I feel like they've always been a AFC East games have always been that one o'clock kickoff for for years and years and years. Because I mean, at that point, ninety nine point nine of your fan base is on the East Coast. No, it can be really weird when the Dolphins are playing because I always call them three thirty games because that's what time it is here. Oh, true. I would say like yeah, yeah. So I was always think of it as like the three thirty game. Um, anything else? I think it's been we we've been very on brand tonight. It's weird. I mean, we were pretty short and concise, but I mean, at the same time, like things went well this week, so not a whole lot that you have to break down. Besides, like, yeah, we had fun this week. Like, my life wasn't miserable on a Sunday, um, which no. I think probably keeps this show pretty short at this point. Hmm. The deck injury was really bad yesterday. Oh, that was so sad. I was so bummed when I saw that. Like, not only was it gruesome to watch, but like, I was just so sad. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you hope for the best for him. But uh, if it doesn't work out in Dallas, I hope he goes somewhere else and just rubs it in their face, you know? Yeah, I so, mean, I'm- I think I saw Stephen Jones said like Dak is their future, but like okay like i trust that as much as fucking nothing yeah right i mean like what are they gonna say like no we're ready to move on while he's sitting there with his ankle in what three pieces yeah 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 no i like dak i got a lot of respect for that guy uh oh yesterday's game oh yeah yeah i was gonna say you know we could we're, we're still in halloween mode here speaking of gruesome um Last time we kind of teased talking about some of those those spookier kind of movies, not like not horror film, like scary movies, but like the the Tim Burtony kind of spooky, creepy, but yet kind of fun movies. Um, what's your what's your favorite one out of uh, it doesn't have to be Tim Burton, but what, what movies do you enjoy out of those? Um, well, I mean, like most of most of the Tim Burton ones are like more spooky, imaginative than they are really like yeah, they're, they're gory. Fun. You know, like I mean, like and and one that I always I don't know why for the longest time I did not think it was a Tim Burton movie, but I loved it was um, James and the Giant Peach. Like, not actually scary. Giant Bugs is kind of a little weird and spooky at times, um, and like the the rhinoceros cloud and the um the metal shark out of the ocean and stuff like that like i don't know who thinks of that kind of stuff but like it's just one of those movies where like it's it's really kind of odd a little startling at times um but like it's not scary or gory or anything yeah like i mean we talked about this last week i mean a lot of his films especially from that era when he was really starting to hit which would have been the late 80s 
there's a, a certain gothic gothic aesthetic yeah. in a lot of his films and he really brings in a lot of you know like a lot of the there's a lot of leather in his movies does that make sense yes yeah and, and it's, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and it's really weird, and it's almost juxtaposed. Like you've got this striking black leather against someone who's got skin that's like the color of yogurt, you know? Yeah, and And I think of um, Edward Scissorhands is a great example of that. Um, because that's I mean that's Vincent Vincent Price's last appearance in a film. Yep. So I mean, like that weighs heavy because that movie's from nineteen ninety. And I, I mean, I love that film. I mean, everything about it is nuts. You get, like blonde Winona Ryder. Yeah, so in, in that's that so weird. That that's like one of the weirdest parts of it. But like, I mean, you make a really good point of like the contrast, especially in that film, because even all the houses and cars and stuff like that are that like that eighties uh, very vibrant like kind of style of that time. But then you have Edward, like you said, that's like black leather super pale black hair um and like that dark essence in the the bright beautiful world of you know the people that are are just going about their happy little lives yeah he definitely has an interesting view of suburbia in those films and i mean like in that in that movie all like all the housewives are wearing like ice cream colors yep and whatnot they all have like beehive hairdos and like you know um, which harkens harkens back to a certain era and whatnot, but you see the kind of the same thing in Beetlejuice. Like, mm-hmm. what's you know when when they're going to town and everything, you see like what the what the neighborhoods are supposed to look like. And I mean, to those films, probably benefit. Um, it does look aged a little bit, but I think that works. That's how it's supposed to. Um, how it's supposed to look. And another thing that seems crazy about Edward Scissorhands is think about. It, anthony michael hall mm-hmm. like in the breakfast breakfast club and um you know just looking uh like a little kid and then he's that bully douchebag in uh in edward scissorhands so i mean and you're talking about five years removed between the two so a lot changes there but um i i always thought it was a lot of those guys films are really really cool I'm a huge fan of both of both of them. And then, I mean, that's not to sell anything else short because he did a great job with. Um, I would still make the case that that first Batman he did is the best movie in the series. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, and that was 92 for was that 92 for no, Batman? The first. No, the first one's 1989. Oh, yeah, that is 89. You're right. You're right. Yeah, that was. Uh, oh, man. Like the the spring. Cause it came out in June of 1989. And I remember like from winter to spring, all you ever saw on TV or going anywhere were advertisements for Batman. I remember I saw some quote that said like the, the public awareness of that movie's release date was at like 190%. Like everyone knew it. Yeah. So, I mean like, I mean like, and back then, I mean, you're talking about like this is pre-internet obviously, cause it's still the late eighties. So, I mean, there's just total saturation in terms of magazines, which was still like a big thing at the time. Um, TV uh, trailers. It's because I remember seeing that. We, I saw that movie at a drive-in. Actually, I don't know why my parents. My, I don't I've ever talked about this on uh, the show before, but my dad like hates movie theaters. I think the last time he was in a movie theater was E.T., <laughs> which is before I was born. Like yeah. 19, 1982. So like he has no idea the changes that a movie theater has 
gone through from like 1982 to now. Good for him. So it's a- it's almost like stepping out of out of a time capsule. If if he were to go to like an AMC or something, his head would explode. I mean, all the all the shit in there and everything compared to how it used to be, where it's like, I mean, yeah, maybe you can get popcorn or if you want some, you know, like jujubes or something. So, yeah. but anyway, that's the only that's the only time he's he's ever taken to, taken me to a movie, and it was a drive-in. He was even even in the late '80s, he had an aversion to going inside theaters so yeah i saw that outside but uh 1992 was the batman sequel by the way that was batman returns yeah that's that's returns and then uh the third one was that's Bat- a dark movie too yeah oh yeah oh yeah and that and then the third one was 95 right for batman return yeah, or forever yeah. yeah or batman forever oh boy yeah uh everyone was really stoked about that film because they had robin in it yeah and, you know, Chris O'Donnell was, a, you know, a young name at that point and everything. But obviously, because Jim Carrey was like the biggest star on the planet at that point. So getting him as a villain, I remember seeing that in a newspaper announced that Jim Carrey was going to be the Riddler and people just lost their shit over it. And I mean, that I've warmed up to that movie since I remember at the time being really excited for it, then seeing it and just being like, nah, what did I just watch? Um. You want to talk about saturation? That that song by Seal, that "Kiss from a Rose," was on all the freaking time, like that summer <laughs> of 1995. My God, you couldn't go anywhere without hearing that song, everywhere. So, I don't know. Yeah, we're gonna have to have a proper discussion in terms of we'll have to rank a lot of our favorite like scary films. Yeah, I got a bunch of emails from people about the movie alien apparently apparently people love that movie yeah yeah like, yeah a lot of props on that one and i get it you know because i mean you're talking about ridley scott 1979 so the genre is still definitely very much in flux in terms of what's i mean that's before a lot of those all those 80s slasher movies because i mean the first friday the 13th is 1980 yep so in 1979 i mean you're talking about really it's something where it, it borrows a lot from jaws i think i mentioned that last week where i mean you're, you're you're pretty much on the the killing entities terms you know whereas jaws like i mean you're in the water i mean he's not up on land i mean you're you're in his uh his surroundings and i mean in space with that i think they call it a xenomorph i think that's the yeah, yeah. the creative name for it but i mean like that that thing was a that horrific scene where it bursts out of that dude's chest. And I mean, after that, yep. man, it's on. Yeah. You know, that, that was so startling of like, wh- what the hell just happened? That is a still super gory scene too. I tend to forget like how over the top they went with just that blood spatter. And every time I see it, I'm like, Oh, Oh, right. Yeah. Like this isn't subtle. Nothing about it is subtle. Speaking. And, but that's like what a, Oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. Finish up your thought on Alien because I have a, a transition to another movie thinking about aliens. Oh, I, I was just going to say that in that film, that scene, too. I mean, like, it obviously has been lampooned and things like Spaceballs and everything. But if you don't know what's coming at that scene is truly shocking and disturbing. And I mean, they go. I understand why they went over the top with it, because they really push your your fear and imagination with that with that whole visual so i i mean i get it and i got countless emails from people this week who were just like oh man they're like yeah i would definitely rank that in my top three and i was like that's crazy because i don't think of it as a halloween movie but it's definitely terrifying yeah now 
41 years later. Speak and and I forgot to mention this when we had that part of that conversation last week. Uh, another alien oriented movie that's it's not really like a scary movie. It's it's more of a thriller and startling kind of movie. Was uh, Signs when that came out in two thousand two? I think it was. Yeah, two thousand two. It's definitely two thousand two. And so, like, Signs wasn't scary, but the whole thing is like they're like hyping you up for this like alien invasion kind of thing the whole time. And then, like, the first time they actually show one of the aliens is, like, that birthday party recording or whatever, and it just kind of, like, walks past them. Oh, it's scary as hell. You're talking about the one where it's in Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, where where it just, like, walks past the window or whatever. Like, and and you barely even see anything. But, like, it's, it, that scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. Yeah, no, I jumped. I remember I took my brother to go see that. I think I took my brother and his then girlfriend to go see that film because uh, it was, yeah, like you said, summer 2002. I just graduated high school, which makes me feel so old. But yeah, I mean, I definitely jumped at that scene. I mean, they set, especially if you're in a theater, the way they set it up, because that's when Joaquin Phoenix is sitting there trying to watch that TV and he's trying to get a good look at it. Then all of a sudden, like that thing just goes strolling by yep. staring at the screen. And yeah. Uh, God, what a terrible, what a terrible film, though. Um, not helped by the fact that Mel Gibson's in it, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the last thing I want to hit you with, uh, circling back to our our Tim Burton kind of part of this conversation, is Tim Tim Burton had that like lull from like Mars Attacks was ninety six, I think. Um, and yeah. like other than that, he had like. The only thing that I really can think of that he really had his hands in was um, that TV movie uh, Lost in Oz, was it? Uh, very weird, very random. Most people don't even remember it. But like, there was a lull f- from like Mars Attacks to essentially Corpse Bride in 2005. But then he had that like string of like 2005 to potentially even like Dumbo in like 2016, where like I don't know if any of those movies were like defining for him as much as his early ones but like corpse bride nine frank and weenie that he finally made into a full movie um the alice in wonderland remake um even dumbo like were just all really solid good again imaginative imaginative kind of creepy in a sense takes on some some things that had been done before um but were definitely interesting yeah, he was doing some interesting stuff. He did Ed Wood, right? Uh, Is that his? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, that's like 94. Yeah. Uh, and that's like, you know, I think that because, yeah, because Johnny Depp's in that movie yep. and obviously they, yep. they struck it up with uh, Edward Scissorhands. Uh, in a lot of ways, his big comeback, though, I, for lack of a better term, is uh, Sleepy Hollow, yep. which is 99. And I remember because, yeah, I when that movie came out, and uh, again, the major characters in there, you know, and then people you didn't realize were in the movie, like Christopher Walken and and so on and so forth. Um, I remember when that movie came out thinking like, ah, yeah, OK, he's back. And then, you know, he got right back to it and then, yeah, did some under the radar stuff. And now, like, I mean, he's omnipresent with his films and it's always the same people. You know, he's always got like a Johnny Depp or a Helena Bottom Carter. Yeah. Or, you know, he, he, he works with a lot of the same people. So I, a, I mean, if it ain't broke, yeah. don't fix it. Um, and, and no, just so folks know, if nobody does know that supposedly uh, Beetlejuice 2 is in the works. So I'm definitely pretty excited about that. 
Yeah, I mean, you think about like Michael Keaton at that at that point. I'm trying to think like the movies that he had just put out, what like Gung Ho mm-hmm. films like that. I mean, like you know, like a, a decent actor at that point, but not what would become the box office name with you know Beetlejuice, and then. I guess a lot of people were really pissed off about him being Batman. And I guess in hindsight, I get that because, I mean, he's not even like six feet tall. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it seems like a, cra- a crazy fit for him to play the, the role of Bruce Wayne. But, you know, it definitely works out. I thought he was great in that movie then. And I think he's great now. Oh, and and another random Halloween movie thought, how how does the movie Hocus Pocus go from like wonky midsummer release that nobody cares about for like years to like cult classic everybody has to watch it during halloween film that's another one that was super mm-hmm. random yeah i think abc family or what 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 is it called now freeform or whatever in the hell yeah uh definitely put that put that movie where it currently is in terms of just on the map cult hit because i remember when that came out i think that's 93 right yeah i think that was 93 yeah um i've never watched that movie in its entirety i gotta be honest with you i've watched the first half i've seen the second half it's like shawshank (laughs) i've only seen the first half of shawshank or the second half i've seen the entire movie there's not one scene you could show me where i'd say i'm i'm unfamiliar with that but i have never sat down and watched it from point a to point b from beginning to end yeah i mean hocus pocus is good it it does lack that attention grabbing storyline and, and scenario but it's it's not a bad movie and it's a fun movie with Bette Midler and uh uh Sarah Jessica Parker is one of the other witches I think I believe so yeah she is yeah but but yeah very weird sure. movie all right we're we'll uh go ahead and call it for tonight we'll wheel it around to more Halloween. I just want to talk about Halloween stuff all the time <laughs> I'm yeah, down can... football what's that although I'm definitely gonna go check out and see what Justin Herbert's doing God, I love those uniforms so much. I need them. Uh, in the meantime, my name is Keith, joined by Zach. Thanks for tuning in and hanging with us for a little bit. Uh, we'll be back. I would love to do this twice a week. It's just finding time to do it. Yeah. Like I always say, like, oh, oh yeah. And then, like, I mean, I'm, it's going to be tough for to find time to or scrape time together so I can, uh, you know, edit this this monstrosity. So, <laughs> but. Like I said, in the meantime, take care. We'll talk to you guys soon. Uh, Maybe later this week, maybe next week. Uh, All right. See you guys.